0: This is The Reality. And a hearty hello to you once again from me, Dudley Anderson. This is The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of life through Jesus Christ. If you've got a story to tell of the reality of Jesus in your life, I would love to hear from you. Please write me an email, dudley at surereality.net. Well, today The Reality... We'll be chatting with Tawu Shaola, who was born in Nigeria and worked in China for six years. Nigeria is listed in the top 10 countries on the Open Door World Watch list, where Christians face the most persecution for their faith. Today, we'll hear how Tawu and her family were victims of this persecution.
1: It was a family friend. While they were out there in the north, they were actually teaching. They were fortunately caught up in some unrest because Christians were teaching their kids. The violence escalated, and they were unfortunately attacked. They were all killed. This was happening while my family friend was speaking to his elder brother, and he literally heard all that was mm. happening over the phone.
0: Tao Wu spent six years working in China, China is also listed on the World Watch list. We'll also discover today how difficult it is to follow Christ in China. Taiwu discovered that God had a plan for her life. He's a patient God, often waiting for us to step out in personal faith to follow his call, wherever that may lead us. Tai Wu is an engineer working on the potential of using hydrogen fuel as a source to generate power to run our cars. We'll also be hearing more about this incredible environmentally friendly option to replace the internal combustion engine. I spoke with Tawu Shaula today via Skype. Well, my privilege today to talk to Taiwu Shaula on Skype to find out a little bit about your life and experience Tawu, uh, you're a professional woman, you work and live in the United Kingdom, but you spent the best part of six years in China. I want to talk about that in just a minute, uh, having grown up in Nigeria. But uh, as always, I want to know, uh, Tawu, how did you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour?
1: Hi Dodley, thanks for having me on your show. Um, For me, I was born into a Christian family, and so literally it felt like I was born into church. Um, Mm. I grew up right from a very young age being introduced to christ i went through sunday school growing up but as with anything making it personal having that personal relationship as opposed to something your parents made you do um i would say probably in my teens in my early to mid-teens is when i felt consciously about Having a personal walk with Christ. You Mm. you go through a rebellious phase as (laughs) any teenager would. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I went through that as well. And I really actually, I do recall this saying to God that I'm here, Lord, if you're real, that um, you can definitely reach out to me. That I don't just want it to be a faith that my parents or family has, I want it to to be something Mm. more personal. Mm. Um, and, And I remember a time probably during my um, very mid-teens when I had a situation. I was going through my final exams at high school and I was struggling. I found it really difficult and I just decided to stop. I was studying. I decided to take some time out and I called out to God myself. So he didn't chase me. I think I found my way back to him Mm -hmm. for want of words. I found my way back to him. Um, and and I've never looked back really. He's guided me in every area of my life, in every phase, in whatever I've done, um, wherever I've been. God has always been present, uh, and I'm grateful for His grace and His mercy, and and mostly His patience and, and mm. His tolerance towards even our little whims and things that we sometimes take for granted. He He never changes. He's always the same. He's ever present, faithful and steadfast. And obviously, He is
0: love. Mm, mm. I like that. uh, God had patience. (laughs) God has patience with us. I thank God for His patience. And so, you know, you, you said uh, you grew up in Sunday school, you heard the gospel, you heard the message of Jesus, and like, like the rest of us, you know, you drifted away. But that patience of God was always there watching over you, wasn't it? And that word of God was planted in your heart, a seed. Can you identify a moment in those, those teenage years and as you came out of it and the point at which you recommitted your life to Jesus? Can you identify a moment where you, you suddenly realized that, hey, this is real and this has got meaning in my life?
1: I think definitely like I said it was during like my late teens between the ages of 14 mm. to 16 that I really started to explore um, a personal walk a personal faith um, spending time myself in prayers and Starting to reach out to God and to speak to Him. Yeah. So, so what?
0: Um, sorry. So, what actually provoked that? Was it? Did you go to a church? Did you read a book? Was it a, a song you heard? What actually provoked that that moment when you said, I, "I've got to get serious with this, my my faith." Um,
1: but I think it was definitely during my um, finals. I think that most vivid time when I felt that I just cried out to God because I thought I was going to be losing my mind. That I really wanted to do well. With my studies and there was no way anybody could help me with that it was something i had to do mm-hmm. by myself um and i knew that in my own strength i i wouldn't be able to do it and and so i didn't have any other choice other than to reach out to god because he's the only one who can help.
0: <laughs> mm, praise God, a real moment, hey, a real touch from the Lord. You know, I uh, I taught my, my children, they also, similar situation, grew up in, in church, went to Sunday school, um, and I, I said to them, you know, you need to find your own faith. You have to discover your own faith, and that's what you're sharing today, at Tawu. You discovered as a teenager, you discovered your own faith, not your parents' faith or the faith of a pastor or a youth leader. You suddenly discovered it was your faith, your experience and interaction with God. If there's somebody, just perhaps a young person listening to us today on podcast or on a radio station, and they find themselves in a similar situation, what's your word of encouragement to them?
1: I would say, don't um, be afraid to ask those questions and to um, seek God out in your own way. Um, There's no one formula, there's no right or wrong Mm. approach, because God doesn't limit us. God knows everything. He knows each and every individual, and no matter how far away you think, or I'm not good enough, or I've done too many things that are not right, God's arms are still open. I remember that scripture in the Bible in Revelations 3.20 which says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hears my voice, I will open the door. God is literally just waiting. He's Mm. not going to force himself on anyone, Mm. and so You can always come to him, I would say, irrespective of how you feel, whether you think, oh, I'm not good, I'm not right. God is waiting, and he loves you just the way you are.
0: Amen. Very good. Uh, I love that analogy just there, as you said, that Jesus standing at the door and knocking. That's patience again, isn't it? (laughs) Knocking and waiting for the door to be open. Now, so you mentioned just now that, um, you know, you had this encounter of God as you were going into your studies and and you're a professional woman. You're an engineer. Tell us a little bit about your work.
1: Um, so right now, I'm a senior project engineer. Um, the company I work with um, actually is in the hydrogen technology sector. Wow. Um, it's very, very up and coming in terms of looking at renewables and cleaner fuels for the future. Um, So it's very technical and it's actually very new in the sense that there's not a lot of um, advancement in that technology. So there's a lot of innovation going on at the moment. Um, And we are actually looking to create the next generation of like fuel cells to go into automotive industry, to power cars and to, again, try and meet that net zero climate change directive that, all nations are signing up to Mm. um, to see how we can power cars um, whether they be just people carriers or whether they be um, heavy goods vehicles and to do it in a cleaner manner so that we have got less polluting less um, emitting cars that are affecting or impacting the environment Um, and i work in a team where we're looking at actually expanding our operations and going into mass and volume production mm. where we can actually feed that industry and hopefully help the automotive industry to meet those um, targets that they've got.
0: That's amazing. So how does um, hydrogen fuel compare to electric power?
1: So with hydrogen fuel, it works with, say, fuel cells. Um, so with the fuel cells are actually like the engine, and the hydrogen fuel is what replaces your typical um, gas and diesel mm-hmm. um, and then that actually generates um electrical power but um with battery power it's already got um iodide am iod- iod- um, inside um it's already got its own power source right. inside it's not using hydrogen as its fuel source um and that can be recharged Um, From time to time, which is what you have with like the Teslas. You've got the charging points. It's just like a battery. Hmm. If you've got a battery that you can recharge, but with fuel cells and with hydrogen part, you actually need to fill it in with hydrogen gas.
0: Okay, so the, the hydrogen and actually, then, oh, sorry, the hydrogen powers, does it power uh, a generator? How does it produce the electricity?
1: The fuel cells, which is a bit, bit of like electrodes, we've got a cation and an anion electrode. They're the engine okay. inside, inside the car, and that converts it, and that electrochemical reaction is what generates like an electric charge okay. to power
0: the car. So that produces the electricity to power the electric motor. Yes. It is amazing. It's very interesting. So um you would obviously then technically replace petrol or diesel with hydrogen. So what That's would the clear. what would be the comparison in cost be between hydrogen fuel and say petrol?
1: Well, if we can generate it a lot cheaper at the moment, which is one of the challenges, um the expectation is that over time it will become more affordable um, as i said it's still quite early stages as yet um, if you recall hydrogen gas is available now in the market we've got manufacturers such as boc who actually make industrial grade um, hydrogen um, it's just the way it is utilized is going to be very different and there are different grades so the cleaner it is um, obviously, the more expensive it is. Um, but if we are able to manufacture it a lot more cheaper, the cost to the customers would be cheaper as well.
0: Wow, it's really interesting. Very fascinating. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about China in just a minute. But uh, when you went to China, were you working on these kind of projects?
1: No, I was working on different projects um, in China. So I was working with a previous company called Morgan Advanced Um ceramics. And initially, what I was doing there was a lot of um, continuous improvement activities. So for existing um, facilities there, we had manufacturing sites in Shanghai and um, in the north and south of the country. And what we were really looking to do was to try and improve their performance so that they were more on par with our um, facilities in Europe and in North America. To just make sure that they had the right capabilities and were doing the work they needed to do um, competently and um, confidently as well.
0: Amazing, amazing stuff. Ta, we've been speaking for about uh, 15 minutes. We're going to take a little break and be back after this. You are listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported ministry. We value your prayers and support very much. You can help us touch millions of people with the reality of Christ by becoming a vision partner. Visit surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. That is, become a vision partner at surereality.net. Listen again to The Reality on our podcasts at surereality.net. If you've just joined us, a oh, hearty hello, my name's Dudley Anderson. Really good to have your company. You're listening to The Reality, talking about the reality of Jesus in our lives. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. Perhaps you've been listening up and you've got some comments. Do write me an email, dudley at surereality.net. If you'd like more information about what we've been talking about today, dudley at surereality.net. Well, today on The Reality, we're chatting with Tawu Shaula. Taiwu is a senior project engineer working in the hydrogen fuel sector, seeking new eco-friendly ways to run our cars. Taiwu is also a follower of Jesus Christ. She grew up in a Christian home, but like so many of us, drifted from her faith in her teenage years. However, when facing the difficulties of university, Taiwu called on the name of the Lord that she'd grown up to trust for guidance and for help. She shared how she felt God was always there, waiting patiently for her to turn her face toward Him and to follow His call for her life. She recommitted her life to Jesus and discovered a personal walk of faith. Tawu was born in Nigeria, a country where Christians are severely persecuted for their faith. She's also worked in China, another country where Christians are severely persecuted for their faith. We pick up our chat with Taiwu Shaolin today to hear more about her experiences. Today's interview was recorded via Skype. Well, speaking to Taiwu today on Skype, thank you so much for joining us, Taiwu. We've been talking about how you came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You're a sold-out believer, follower of Jesus. And yet, a professional woman in the the uh, in the motor industry, uh, working on um, hydrogen cells as an engineer—amazing stuff. You uh, spent some time in China on, in a different industry, and we found out a little bit about that a few minutes ago. But I'd like to talk a little bit about the Christian life in China. You are a Christian. You moved to China for six years. Did you get involved in a church?
1: Yes. Um, when I initially moved up to China, I was in Shanghai. Um, and um, as many people would know China is quite cosmopolitan, it's got a huge expatriate um, community and they were allowed to actually set up English-speaking churches, non-denominational churches um, in China so I was fortunate to be able to find a couple and I settled down in one. I was able to really plug in and be part of the um, church life there in shanghai which was great we've got people from the us from the uk from canada uh, from new zealand from australia from germany france all of europe so it was quite diverse in that and there was also a very huge african community because a lot of students were there studying um, so it was really a great uh, mix of people
0: okay were there many uh chinese folk in the church locals
1: there were chinese people that had foreign passports um and that was the key thing is foreign passport holders were permitted to participate um and yes we left the door open so i would say there were some locals who probably wandered in just to see what was going on um and yeah
0: yeah, speaking of open doors, China is on the um, open doors watch list, as is Nigeria, because there's a lots of pers- there's lots of persecution and and it's increasing once again in China. And so this is the question: um, you've got an expat church, a church that is run by uh, non Chinese people, and it's flourishing in China. But how do we reach to the the Chinese people? They're being persecuted. Can they meet as you were meeting in Shanghai?
1: Um, In Shanghai, um, and i would say most of the kind of southeastern regions, there seemed to be a less um, strict um, enforcement of some of the more rigorous controls. Um, But it all depended on the local government in terms of the enforcement of some of the more stringent laws. Hmm. So it, it was quite varied in terms of the clampdown and the kind of surveillance that some of the churches Um, experience. I I recall going to Chengdu, which is actually towards the north of the country, and um, that is in Xinjiang Xinjiang province. Mm -hmm. And the experience there was actually different, where there was a lot more surveillance and supervision. I remember actually participating in a baptism of local Chinese, and the pastor had to actually stop and say to everyone that if anybody comes up to us to question us about what we were doing, because we actually did it in an open, um, free-flowing, open-water space. Uh Um, They didn't do it just in the church building. Mm -hmm. And the pastor, I recall him specifically saying to us, we shouldn't feel afraid or threatened if anybody asks us what we're doing. We should just openly say this is what we're doing and that they are welcome to watch us and participate. And the baptism went ahead without any incident. There was no um, calls to the police or any kind of clampdown. Um, so it, it was fortunate that we were able to have that cer- ceremony and to really share that experience, mm. uh, even though there was a bit of nervousness, but it still went
0: ahead. Mm. Well, that's good news. Praise God, standing up for the gospel and the message of Jesus, which is the message of love and faith and hope uh, now Tau, you mentioned that um and i'm assuming that the the chinese churches have a lot of surveillance and i've read reports that they some of them have uh, cctv cameras that have to be installed in the church and the government is watching them do you think this is actually affecting the preaching of the gospel and the word of god
1: i would say to an extent so it all depends on the leadership of the church um, some churches were open to that i guess the state approved churches would comply because compliance is a big thing mm. and a lot of chinese are used to that where whenever there is a directive from the government, you just do as you were told but there was some resistance the much more charismatic underground um churches or house churches mm. they would probably be a bit more resistant, and not all churches were open to that. And unfortunately, that led to a number of um, churches being shut down for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I recall in Suzhou, which was the other city that I lived in, um, which is only about an hour outside of um, Shanghai, a number of independent churches um, that had been operating freely and without supervision or surveillance for a number of years were um, forcibly shut down and their congregation had to move on to other churches that had been more established and registered. Mm. Um, So you do have um, variations there. Um, And it's unfortunate that Christians are not allowed to openly and freely um, fellowship. But every year seems to change. It all depends... On the local government that I said before Hmm. how far they would enforce some of the um, directives from the central government so again the central government may give a directive in terms of this is what should be done but in terms of how that's implemented is actually left to the local governments some local government leaders are much more liberal and more relaxed about their approach some are more heavy-handed so it's never the same experience for Christians all over China. It's it's very varied and dependent on where you are. Mm -hmm.
0: I get it. Now, um, Christian persecution is uh, no stranger to you and your family, dare I say, Uh, Taiwu. You grew up in Nigeria. Nigeria is number seven on the uh, Open Doors World Watch list uh, where I believe Christians face the most outright violence under persecution in the world. Where did you grow up?
1: Um, I grew up in the western part um, of the countries, which was relatively peaceful and safe. Um, so where you've seen a lot of the persecution in Nigeria is in the northern hmm. um, part, which is quite um, sad, sad and unfortunate because the northern parts are predominantly Islamic or Muslim, and um, there always seems to be tension, um, and it's always on the slightest or this littlest of reasons it can flare up at a moment's notice um, which is unfortunate Mm, really
0: mm. and obviously the intention is to make the whole of Nigeria Islamic do you think that will happen
1: Um, I doubt that would happen because there's really a huge and very strong um, divide and it's not only just in terms of religion but with ethnicity as well and I think that's why it will be very difficult to make the entire nation islamic
0: right okay so um you you growing up there you had friends i assume and family members across the country uh, did you ever have uh, an encounter with persecution did you have any any event in your family or in your life that uh, uh, suffered persecution at the hand of these these militants
1: um it wasn't myself directly but it was a family friend um, people that I grew up knowing through church, um, very good friends. Um, one of their sons um, had to go through what we call a national youth service um, and he was posted to the northern part of Nigeria with fellow um, colleagues or friends rather from university and it was while one of while they were out there in the north, they were actually teaching. Um, that they were unfortunately fortunately caught up in some unrest that came up because Christians were educating or teaching their kids and they frown on that because they feel that um, by so doing they could indoctrinate or convert their children um, to become Christians. Um, the violence escalated and they were unfortunately attacked though they were indoors and not on the streets, just to keep away from on the, from the violence. It was my family friend and his two other friends. Mm. They were all killed and their bodies mm. were burnt. Um, and what made it even worse was this was happening while my family friend was speaking to his elder brother, explaining the situation, and he literally heard all that was mm. happening over the phone. Oh. And the attackers had the goal to actually tell him We're killing your brother, and now he's dead.
0: Jesus, that is dreadful, dreadful. Uh, Really, really condolences, Tawu, to you and, and your family for that um, you know it's it's tragic now it's it's clear as we look at the world of Islam not all Muslims are militant like this but there is a core there's a group that are doing this do you think it is actually motivated by a love for Allah or is it motivated by some sort of humanistic attempt to take over the world
1: well I don't see any real um, religious, need for it. It's just as you've said, not all Muslims are military or this extreme of using so much violence. How can they justify it? Why do they need to be so violent? Why does there need to be such bloodshed to Mm. get their message across? It's Mm. something that I would never understand. And what makes it even worse is that they don't only kill Christians in the north and this is particularly in Nigeria, they're also killing Muslims. And this Mm -hmm. is where I can't see where there is a need for that because they're not only affecting and impacting the lives of Christians, Mm -hmm. they're also affecting fellow Muslims. So Mm -hmm. I can't see how it's justified in their faith. Mm And it's more the greed of man, man wanting to Mm -hmm. enforce Mm -hmm. their own will and their own way Mm -hmm. on others. I can't see how carries on or there's any semblance of a need to do this in their um in mm-hmm. their religious book um, I can't, it, it's really hard to understand it really mm-hmm. other than to think this is all motivated by man mm-hmm. by man's greed and desire um, to put their own will on others mm-hmm.
0: It's the pride of man, which is the you know the fall of man. All absent, you and me and every Muslim and every other religion that we we have in the world. Every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God, the righteous one, and we're all in need of uh, of salvation. And that's the message of the cross of Jesus. Tamu, thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that God will continue to bless you and and guide you in your career and your work. Thank you for joining us. Today on The Reality, we've been speaking to Thawu Shaola. What an incredible story. What an incredible woman. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. Drop me an email, dudley at surereality.net. Again, for more information, drop me a note, dudley at surereality.net. The Reality is produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. With your prayer support and financial support, we can produce these programs to impact lives around the world please consider becoming a vision partner with us at the website surereality.net. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you, as always, walk in the sure reality of Christ.